You're listening to the Road to Wisdom podcast, weaving stories told by wonderful minds about all things motherhood, health, intimacy, politics, nature, and everything in between. Join us on an adventure discovering unique experiences that we can learn from to enhance the ways in which we live. We are your hosts, Chloe and Kishia. Um, we would really appreciate it if everyone could review and rate us on Spotify and iTunes. Um, it helps us to build our community and we know that we're getting so many listens, but what helps us even more is if um, you can give us those ratings and reviews. So five stars you. only though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want your one star rating. If you're enjoying the content, <laughs> if you're enjoying the content, mm. that would we be We don't want to hear from you if you don't like yeah. us basically. <laughs> But it helps us to secure awesome people like Jinty, who we have in the studio today. So welcome, Jinty. This definitely isn't just a friendship chat um, because we haven't seen each other for so long. Uh, we have no idea who Jinty is. But luckily, <laughs> we, were be, we were able to secure her because of everyone's... Um, Those reviews. <laughs> all the reviews. <laughs> she actually, like, me. I just dropped a DM into to her. I was like, hey, babe, do you want to chat with us? And she went straight to our reviews and seen how many five stars we had. And that was... <laughs> you got me. <laughs> That's how we got her. So let's keep that going. <laughs> Come on, guys, help us out. <laughs> anyway. Well, thank you, Jinty, for coming in today. We are doing a little series on unassisted pregnancies and free births because there is a real hole in the information out in the inter-ethernet. Um, it does seem to get a little bit of censorship. And I think it's a really important thing if pregnant women or women who are looking to conceive and have babies I mean we're all told be prepared for a potential c-section like that could always be a possibility and you should be prepared for that just in case but then we censor all the information about free birth which is also a potential that we should all be prepared for even if that is not our plan um even if that's yeah, yeah, definitely not the way we want to go. you could give birth in your car, people. Yeah, some, some babies just aren't going to get to the hospital. So it's still, whether this is your jam or not, it's still something that it's good to hear stories of babies that come out without all the bells and whistles of the medical system because it happens whether you prepare for it or not at times. And um, I think it's nice to know or to hear the beautiful stories of where it happens, planned or unplanned, um, and and it's okay. <laughs> and everyone survives. The carpet sometimes doesn't, but everyone else <laughs> survives. So we have Jintian to talk with us about that and her experiences and... Yeah. Hi, Jinty. <laughs> Hello. I'm excited to yeah chat all things birth. It's funny when I'm not pregnant or actively like about to give birth, it's almost something I hardly think about. So it's nice and fun to chat um, about it because it's such a fun topic, really. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> we'll just remind you. And once you're reminded about it, we'll just 
plant that little spirit baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we, were, we were talking about three to four and how it's so much easier. So we're trying to get Jinty on the four baby bed. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't bought it yet. You have not convinced me <laughs> that it's easier. Mm. Oh, but what we'd love to hear, if you could give us a really brief rundown of your birth with Aya. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, yeah, subsequent, subsequent yep. births and how and why you chose that method of pregnancy and birth. Okay. So with my first Ayana, we oh, apologies, were, Ayana. <laughs> no, I think Aya, Aya. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll sort of set the scene with that. We were at uni, like my partner and I. Um, and we both had like a year left of our studies to go. We hated it. We, we just thought we were very much in this mindset of this is how like the trajectory of life goes where, you know, we traveled, we got, we needed to get our degrees. We needed to get these careers going and all of these things. But both of us were pretty miserable studying at uni and we decided to take a year off and do this like last big trip before we thought like we'll get serious adult jobs and things like that. So we went backpacking with the intention of traveling for a year. We had just like, yeah, a backpack each. We were in Indonesia and two weeks into that trip is when I conceived, um, two weeks into our year long trip. Um, and it was a massive shock. <laughs> like. I was rattled by this. I found out when we were in America actually and I took a pregnancy test in Lake Powell, like a public toilet, (laughs) and I took a second one in a subway. Um, (laughs) Just to make sure. Just to make sure. (laughs) And, yeah, I found out I was pregnant. It was like the day after my 25th birthday and so I ended up travelling until I was like 32 weeks pregnant. So we were full on backpacking. I was sleeping in a hiking tent. We traveled like North America into Canada. Then we were in South America for a few months. Um, And so I was relatively outside of the system. Uh, So yeah, most of my pregnancy was outside of the normal system. Um, I did see a doctor in America when I was freaking out about being pregnant because I just was like, what do I even do? I None of my sisters or friends had kids yet and it was very much like, what the heck do I do? Um, anyway, we, we travelled. I came back to Australia when I was 32 weeks and I went and found a private midwife. I wanted to have a home birth but I couldn't afford it um, at the time and I had never heard of free birth or unassisted birth um, and so we just sort of did the best that we could. I knew I definitely would want a water birth and I I was so committed to being a good girl though and people pleasing and doing all of the things. I was so scared about coming home to Australia and a midwife or the doctors or whatever thinking that I was like irresponsible for travelling in pregnancy because the one doctor I saw in the States, she was like, ah, yep, you're going to have to change your plans. You're going to have to go home now. And I was like, "Ah." (laughs) literally crying in my car. (laughs) Yeah. So we were sort of told, okay, that's it. Go back to Australia. And it was just a really stressful time. Um, It took me a long time to accept 
that I was pregnant and actually we were in Peru and we were hiking and I remember feeling her moving for the first time and being just so mind blown that there was this little human growing inside of me and I could feel her and it just made it so much more real. Um, But like I said, I was very much that experience, my first birth, it sort of was this initiation into obviously motherhood, but almost womanhood for me, where I went from this maiden who was really committed to just pleasing and doing all of the things. Um, So anyway, I went into this birth, not feeling like feeling like I didn't have it within me. Like I needed other people to tell me what to do and things like that. And just not feeling super confident, but I knew that I definitely want to give birth in water. Um, and anyway, the, can I pause you there for a second, Jindy? Cause that was, a, that's a really, I think common occurrence. And I, I wonder like, how is it that we as women grow up and we, we get to, or like as, as girls, we grow up, we get to a childbearing age, we fall pregnant and I was trying to fall pregnant. So mm. I didn't have like that to overcome as well that you both had. Mm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. We were actively trying for months. Um, but then as soon as I was pregnant, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Mm. I need mm. help. Like I uh, like, but I, like I have no idea what I'm doing. Like how is it that we're all so we dissociated from our yeah, like like childbearing? How do we raise our wi- our women, our girls, so that when they fall pregnant, there there's like that deep knowing which we all have, but for some reason push it aside that mm. first time to like be like, my body knows what it's like. Yeah, my body like knows what it's doing Mm. we know I think it's just like the entire system that we have experienced like it's very normalized to be a part of the medical system and it does create separation between our inner knowing our bodies and we're outsourcing our power to someone else to tell us what's going on inside Mm. ourselves and but I I really do think that is shifting um Mm. The more we just question things and this share our birthing stories and podcasts like these. Um, so I went into that birth. I saw a midwife a couple of times. Um, I got a private midwife because I just needed to know who was going to show up at the birth. I didn't want some random person being like, what's up? <laughs> um, so I had a 15-hour labour at home and it was like the best experience of my life. We, it was just my partner Chris and I, 15 hours and it sounds so cliche but it just changed us entirely and then I did not want to leave the home to give birth. Um, it was just us there the entire time and there was just this part of me that knew when to like, I was like told Chris, text the midwife now to come over and she arrived, she lived down the road from us and she arrived and she was like, wow, if you're going to give birth at the hospital, we need to leave right now. And I still look back at that moment and be like, oh, I wish I was like, let's just stay. We're not going anywhere. Just a little but- bit longer. <laughs> just a little bit longer. But um, the car ride was just really terrible experience. I think, Chloe, you spoke mm. about the car ride. Mm. To the- yeah. Did you go to Gold Coast yeah. Hospital yeah. or the birthing yeah, centre? Yeah, so far. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I remember the sun was just coming up, and like every little bump yeah. in the room. Oh. 
So I gave birth to my daughter 20 minutes after we arrived and we left two hours later. Um, we So we were not there for very long. And like I said, the whole experience was I still look back at it as the best experience of my life. Um, I got into the birthing pool. I started feeling pushy when we arrived. I thought I needed to do a poop. I was like, oh, that's a baby. Um, got into the birth pool as it was filling. The midwives, I didn't even know where they were at. And my mum had come with us. So it was Chris, my mum and I. And um, we were just in our own little world, Chris and I still. Like I just remember him having his arms around the, me in the birth pool and just I was unaware of anything else and I started feeling her crowning and I remember saying to Chris, like, can you see her hair? And the midwife, well, actually, this is one of the midwives I'd never met or seen. I had no idea she was even in the room. She said, um, darling, you're going to have to do a hell of a lot more to get that baby out. And I remember thinking, no. yes, yes. <gasps> I was not offended at the time. I was just like, um, okay. Literally, if that is not my baby, what on earth is that? Like I've been in labour for 15 hours. What is that? <laughs> um, and then the next surge that I had, she was born. They ran over just like so shocked. And, yeah, we just wanted to be gone from the hospital. Um, so we sort of signed some paperwork and left. Um, about two hours after I gave birth, you know, I gave birth to the placenta maybe half an hour afterwards and that's actually when our whole knowing with um free birth or unassisted birth which I didn't know what those terms were at the time but I remember we got home and Chris we were so high we were on the craziest high um and Chris said he's like why did like imagine if you just didn't leave like if we just did it you just did it yourself and I was like yeah that's definitely what I'll do in the future um we just, I don't know, I just knew. It's like I felt my power for the first time. I um, just realised how strong I was and that I could trust my intuition and that actually having people come into the space really messed up the flow of me giving birth and it hindered the experience. And, yeah, so it was after that that I sort of, we just both knew that we would... I suppose, free birth or have unassisted birth in the future. Um, and that's what happened, yeah, when we had – I fell pregnant the next time. Oh, that's amazing mm. because I – in my own experiences, my first was in hospital mm. with a private obstetrician, so mm. uh, definitely a different experience. But afterwards I was like that what hindered – my birthing process was definitely the lights. It was the mm. lights in the hospital. Like there were too many people in there. I didn't like anyone touching me and the lights were like killing the flow of my mm. labour. And I mean the whole time because I I actually have a fear of hospitals. Like it's mm. not even just a, I don't like them. Like I actually have a like icky gritty fear of them. And I... I remember like the, that whole pregnancy. I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I just jumped in the bath and the baby came out? Like, <laughs> or wouldn't it be great? And I, I joked with my obstetrician about it too. And he's like, look, it could happen. Like he was really relaxed mm. as well, which I was very fortunate to have. But I, um, I remember then 
we did a hypnobirthing course mm. the second time around and I was like if we just accidentally stayed home for too long like we didn't mm. have the language for unassisted or mm-hmm. free birth like none of that was in our realm and I didn't I didn't know anyone who would ever want to have a baby without anyone there but I had heard stories of babies coming out in cars mm. and babies just like coming out in fields and all of this stuff I'm like imagine if we just stayed home like what's this is lovely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is. So, yeah, it's um, it's funny that and would have been similar timing, hey? <laughs> like, because we were our first were about three, yeah, three months apart. Yeah, yeah. And then your how old? My son is four and a half. Okay, all right. So yeah, Humphrey's a little bit closer mm-hmm. to Willow. Yeah. So when when we did have Humphrey, it was at home and I was on the toilet thinking I need to do a poo and <laughs> no, it's a baby. But um I do think it's interesting just quickly that the more we talk about unassisted birth, it's always it really is starting to have such a similar like a reoccurrence in pattern of women saying that as soon as someone enters the room, as soon as there's something, a a force or an energy that enters the space or they leave their space or they leave where they feel safe, that's when stuff starts to go the other way or it starts to slow down or it doesn't progress or something like happens or they need to kind of retreat and come back into that space or turn off the lights or Mm. whatever it is. But I'm really observing that this is such a reoccurring thing that when women aren't left the freaking hell alone, Mm -hmm. that's when stuff starts happening. So, yeah. Yeah, completely. I think Ina Mae Gaskin says, you know, the energy like of lovemaking is the energy of like giving birth and that if you couldn't, you know, make love in that space or that room, like, it's going to be hard to give birth there and I really resonate with that. Yeah, I – oh, God, I can't remember who said it but I, it really stuck with me and it's like if you couldn't push a shit out in front of all those people, <laughs> <laughs> you're not. The more not. Kind of what you just said. <laughs> you can't take a shit in front of that nurse. I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to push a baby like, out. The intimate like, energy of lovemaking yeah. and you're like, if you can't do a shit <laughs> – it's true though. <laughs> I'm sorry, but in that moment, I I just I and don't here's think you the could, thing: how much you couldn't do. Chances are you are going to shit yourself. <laughs> so if you're trying to hold that in yeah. while a baby's trying to come out, it's going to make things really difficult and probably create a whole bunch of complications mm-hmm. for you. Too. So you know we all laugh about poo, <laughs> but they're very mature. <laughs> so mature, but it's like yeah, again, things that you don't want people around for. Pooping, lovemaking, like if you can't get to orgasm in front of a room of people in masks yes, and your gynecologist. Sorry, but so you'd say her mum was there. So, <laughs> yeah. Would you do that in front of your mum? <laughs> Hi, mum. <laughs> She'll probably listen okay, as well. we're getting so silly now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yes, sorry, second. Sec- second. Let's, let's, let's stop this. <laughs> let's get to second Pregnancy and Mm. birth. Mm. What would you like to know? (laughs) Well, so, I mean, I guess your first pregnancy was just like incidentally you didn't have monitoring purely because you guys were on a travelling mission, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, did anything come up during that where you're like, oh, maybe we do need to check on something or? Yeah. I look back, it was such a blessing because 
I feel like if I was in Australia and had just gone into that experience, which was a surprise experience, I don't know if I would have had the strength to sort of forge my own path and do what how I would have wanted to do it. Mm. Um, so now I look back thinking, wow, I'm so grateful that we were traveling and I didn't have to really, I, there were decisions to make, but we ultimately decided we were going to carry on with the trip. Um, I did get a, I got two scans. So I I mentioned that we'd been hiking, like we went on a five-day hike when I think it was 18 weeks. And afterwards, um, I remember thinking, I think I just want to get a scan. It was after I'd felt her moving and I just thought, okay, this is what we do and maybe to be responsible, we should do something, you know. So we actually got a scan and it was really short Um We'd gone, we, I don't even, I think we were in like Cusco or something and uh, we didn't speak a lot of Spanish. So that alone was just an adventure to get it done. But he actually, something came up in the scan where he was, there was like a blood clot or something. And he was like, oh, this isn't meant to be here. It's like a language barrier. But he was just like, you need to really rest and chill out. Um, but he recommended getting a scan later on. So when we were in like Colombia, I got, a second scan and it was at sort of like a really Western sort of medical center. And I really didn't like that experience at all. So the only times that I did sort of seek care were the only times that I was very anxious and stressed out in that pregnancy, which I found really interesting. Um, So yeah, I'd had those scans and wait a sec, where am I going with this? No, well, yeah, just like how incidentally in that first pregnancy you didn't have yeah, yeah much um, monitoring. Yes. And so then it was very much a conscious decision going into my next pregnancy. I suppose having had that first experience, knowing I could trust myself, um, feeling a lot more confident, um, also meeting a lot of mothers. I wasn't friends with other mums before having my first and then just opening up my world to so many different stories and understanding that there were so many ways that we could go about our pregnancies, our births. And it wasn't so much a decision where I was like, I am going to free birth. Um, It was just this unfolding of each day, each month of pregnancy. I was just listening to what I needed, what I felt called to doing, the, um, the prenatal care that felt right to me. But I very much knew that I would be birthing at home. There was no way I was going anywhere. Um, Of course, like I don't live my life fearing for the worst. You know, I'm planning for the best outcomes, knowing that we can trust ourselves with whatever comes up. And so that was how I sort of viewed the, the birth and that pregnancy. And I definitely feel like for me, pregnancy is a marker of health in a way. And so I just felt, you know, I'm just going to do what I always do. You know, health and wellness is a huge priority of mine. So just do all of the things that I knew that made me feel really good. And of course, a lot came up um, through that pregnancy and nothing to do with my ability to birth. It was more to do with dealing with What would people think about my decision? Mm. What if something happened and it's all my fault? Um, What would I do? You know, there was a lot of fears about am I being irresponsible? Um, 
what's the best thing for my children and and stuff like that. So it was just constantly like facing different fears and understanding that, you know, it was more important for me to do what I knew was right as opposed to avoiding making anyone else uncomfortable with my choices. Mm. Um, I feel like like a really great counter question that I would always ask myself when a fear would come up would be, okay, if I had chosen the path of the medical system and that thing happened, would I feel better about that? Like Mm. I could put that blame on the medical system or would I still feel responsible? And it was always I would still feel responsible. <laughs> yes. Like I, that was still 100% my responsibility, no matter where I am. So that was always like a good indication of like, yeah, I'm on the right. Yeah, I did the right. same thing as well because it's to give life, you have to face death. They're not separate. And obviously like even saying that word, it's heavy. But like when we're talking about birth and when we're going – and, you know, creating life, it's not separate in any way. So I feel like actually a lot of my fears that were coming up and facing, like they were fears of death and just like this avoidance of just like the unknown. And I think that my birth, my second, my son was actually such a huge lesson in just being with discomfort and allowing fear to be there, but it knowing, you know, it wasn't about life and death as much as it was just about like uncomfortable things that I needed to process and see and um, explore in myself, I suppose. Um, but ultimately for me, my free birth with him and just having a pregnancy outside the system, having the birth that I knew, I knew from the around when I conceived exactly how my son needed to be born. It was I haven't had that in all of my experiences, but I was like, it's like this, it has to be like this. And it really taught me the concept of, you know, radical responsibility in life and that it's like beyond placing blame, like whose fault if something happens, like it's so beyond that. And it's like, yeah, so I think, you know, all of the, all of my children have had like big lessons in each pregnancy and birth but I think yeah with my son in that first experience it was all about just complete taking complete responsibility in my life and in all areas um yeah and also that was sort of like the the death of that person that was so committed to people pleasing Mm -hmm. and stepping into a more empowered um place with like the decisions I made because also at the time we did YouTube when I had was going through this whole pregnancy, we documented our lives. And so there was sort of like this added thing there of there was a lot of opinions coming in and um, there was, you know, even within family and stuff, like everyone's got an opinion about how you give birth. And, mm. and I, like I only had to navigate that with family and friends, whereas I can only imagine the step up it is to have to navigate that with the entire online world. Mm. <laughs> how did you shut that out though? Because I feel like, you know, you got to the end and you ended up having the birth that you wanted to have and you had that vision and it's, it stood strong. But you know, like millions of people have watched your YouTube and, you mm. know, if you've if you read the comments, I'm sure people's opinions, they can get kind of sticky in your brain and your thoughts. And so 
were you okay to just push it down or were you like, oh, I really have to like, like this is kind of imprinting in me? Mm. I was very careful with what I did share and I didn't overshare much. I just was like, okay, this is what I'm comfortable with. But I did keep sort of some spaciousness around what I was doing and stuff like that. And then once he was here and I'd given birth, I knew that I'd done what I needed to do. So people's comments didn't land. And I always also think that it's the people closest to us that have the most impact anyway. So, you know, I can, I'd been sharing online for a few years by that stage. I sort of had, you know, people are always going to have an opinion and I was, you know, I, I'm sort of navigating that, but I suppose it's always the people closest that mm. have the most impact anyway. So that mm. was probably more interesting to navigate for me. Yeah. So then when it came to Tashi's mm. pregnancy and birth, how did you, like, did you switch things up when it came to, I guess, what you shared, what, how, like what you told other people the plan yeah. was? And I suppose with each child I've become progressively more confident and also more not outspoken, that's probably not the right word, but I just understand the importance of sharing our stories because other women's stories are what helped me so much um, in my birth prep. I'm not someone that I have to go and do all the research and all of this. I love, I just want to hear other women's stories. Um, That's what gives me confidence. And um, But Tashi's birth, that was another, yeah, different time in my life. that was my orgasmic birth gone rogue. That didn't really happen. <laughs> I was like, this is it, my third child, like an orgasmic birth. Like I want to have like a pleasurable birth experience. Just really quickly, were you listening to Emily Saldea's stuff and Yolanda and, oh, God, there was another one. Yeah, is this when you did Yolanda's I did. Um, so I did a mentorship with mentorship. Yolanda and Emily, but that was just after I gave birth to my son, okay. before I gave birth to Tashi, yeah, for a year, yeah. Oh, wow. But actually what set me off on this orgasmic birth journey was I did um, a Kiminami course, a well-fucked oh woman. Oh, gosh, we want to talk to her too. And we're yeah. <laughs> Yolanda, Kim, yeah. come on. <laughs> powerhouses. Yeah, so I took one of her courses and it was just a really interesting time in my life just exploring my own like sexuality and intimacy with my partner and just all of these things and I really thought I'm just going to have like this blissful birth and then life didn't really happen like that like it was an amazing birth it was so chill did you want me to like yeah go through yeah yeah, let's yeah please so the pregnancy or let's go pregnancy okay um conscious conception sort of so like I said I'd taken that uh, Kiminami course and my son had stopped breastfeeding I knew I wanted to have a third child like I felt my daughter like my third child's presence like the from giving birth to my son I had my next daughter's name the day after like I'd given birth I was like Chris, this is her name. Like she's here, she's ready. And he was like, oh, my gosh, like, we <laughs> like, just had a baby. <laughs> um, so what happened was, yeah, my son finished breastfeeding. I thought, 
yeah, we weren't traveling. We'd come back to Australia and I was thinking, let's have a baby. And then it just sort of didn't happen for a few months. Um, and then life got rocky. <laughs> um, so did not expect to just get emotional oh, it's okay honey <laughs> let it out let it out yeah <laughs> or we can skip whatever you're comfortable with um, one second I'll just take a breath so like before I came I was like oh, I'm gonna cry I always cry <laughs> <laughs> okay oh. these are contagious tears so <laughs> Um, okay. So, yeah, I was a little, actually at the time when I was trying to conceive, I was, um, very much sort of using a a phone app and tracking my cycle. And I actually think that was really not great for me. That actually disconnected me from just listening to the cycles of my own body. And I don't think I was accurately sort of tracking. Um, And it was only when I completely let go of all of that um, and had sort of surrendered pregnancy, just whatever, um, I found out that my um, dad was really unwell um, and – He was like a very important and like person in my life and in my kid's life. And so we sort of went down this like a few months of just caring for him and um, saying goodbye to him. And when he passed away, um, I actually was like, I'm not having any more kids Like they'll never meet him. Um, It's just not the right time. And so I fully let go of having another child. And it was crazy because the last time I ever bled was like the day of his funeral. And then I found out uh, like a bit over a month later that I was actually pregnant and it was So I'd sort of gone into this thinking I'm going to have the most amazing birth, a pregnancy, just like this blissful time. Um, I'm going to have like my orgasmic birth. And I was like it wasn't like like that. So I feel like I was deep in grief my whole pregnancy and like parenting two kids. Um. And just like sort of dealing with that and that. Sorry. (laughs) You guys need a minute. (laughs) Okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's taken a turn. It's just like, this is a really fucked up situation right now. No, I'm just like. Hold the space, hold the space, hold the space. Don't give it any attention. Don't give it any attention. We've got the space for a minute. All right, let's go, let's go. (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, okay, that helped a lot. I okay. Feel. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, oh. Okay. So, yeah, I went through that pregnancy just – it sort of threw me. I just had this vision of how it was going to be and, you know, that's how life happens though, I suppose. Um, and it was just – there was so many synchronicities though that, you know, even when I – um, I sort of just estimated around the month that she'd be due or whatever, and her due date was my dad's birthday. So there was like lots of little things along the way that I felt like I really lent into. Um, and so yeah, I, I I didn't really even prepare for her birth. I was just knew oh, we'll be right, like just have a baby at home. It was very low key, not a lot of prep I suppose around it um I did have an amazing birth it was it was just it was so cruisy it was just Chris and I which is how I'd always wanted to give birth from that very first experience that I'd had so with my son um my first daughter Ayana was there at the birth with my sister and I had always had this dream of just like imagine if it was just Chris and I giving birth how special that would be and so it sort of did go like that it was just us my sister had the other two kids and I actually gave um I labored a lot by myself I realized when um Chris was around me that I wanted him to sort of save me from something or make it better and I noticed it intensified the sensations that I was experiencing because I was sort of like I needed saving or like someone make this fix it or t- take away the the pain. And then when I was alone laboring, there was none of that going on. I was just like, this is just it. There's no one here to save me. Like I just have to go through this. And um, it helped a lot just being alone. Um, it wasn't a super long labor it was a few hours. We had a birth pool and it was actually, I forgot this till just now, I didn't, I couldn't make a sound. I um, was completely silent the whole, the entire birth, like not even a peep. Whereas with my other two, I wasn't, you know, roaring them out at all. It was very, I'm not like a loud birther, but there was a lot of like, you know, and stuff. This was just complete silence and I had a moment, which now I look back as like transition, where I decided I'm absolutely done. I actually have this little video that Chris took of me. It is so tragic. I'm like, <laughs> I have this like wet cloth on my head on the side of the pool and I'm over it. I'm just sitting there like, nah. I'm like, <laughs> I am done. I know. Baby saying <laughs> And Chris, I remember Chris said to me, he's like, babe, you've got this, like, by the time it's like the sun setting, like tonight you're going to get into bed with your baby. And I just looked at him because it was maybe midday and I remember thinking, what the heck are you talking about? I am not going to be in labour like until tonight. Like (laughs) absolutely not. Like we're getting this done. And he didn't realise. He couldn't tell where I was at. Like other births he's sort of tell where I'm at but because I was completely silent he's just thinking like oh we're just getting started like we are in here I remember I I started pushing her head out I said to him I was like do you sense the shift and he said to me yeah 
<laughs> and later on he's like, no, I was just like saying yes. And just that's to keep you happy. <laughs> actually. And that's when I was fully giving birth to her. And I said, I was like, if you want to, f- if you're going to film it, can you get my phone? And he's like, what? And like grabbed the phone. And like she was, her head was basically out by that stage. And then, yeah, that was it. Like she was out, her head was out for a little bit you know, like actually a few minutes probably and then we birthed her into the water and maybe a minute after she was born, um, had like my other two kids came in with my sister and, yeah, that was just it. It was, <laughs> it was very straightforward and carried on with life. We ate some burgers and <laughs> that was it. Oh, my goodness. So mm. it wasn't – it just sounds like your stock standard – normal physiological beautiful birth but it just wasn't obviously quite what you had in mind do you feel like you've you still are wishing or hoping for that type of birth or are you completely just like <laughs> just plant that seed <laughs> do you want that fourth thing you could have that orgasmic birth again no i mean like have you have you accepted and you know kind of surrendered to like or even to surrendering to what that lesson was there for you because you know, like when you go into something and I know from experience I've gone into birth, I'm like, this is what's going to be. This is what mm. it is. This is what I'm doing. And twice it's just been like, no, it ain't. Yeah. And you're kind of like, why? Like mm. what was there for me or what should or, – or was it just that I just did something silly and I shouldn't have done that or, mm. um, yeah, like have you accepted? Yeah, I, I fully – accepted that during the experience even it wasn't like oh it wasn't meant to be like this I was where's my orgasm like where's my orgasm no it was just just like you mm. said I do feel for me um there's always just a really big lesson and it's exactly sort of how it needs to be and I'm saying that though as someone who's birthing you know outside of the system I think there's a whole nother layer if it goes differently than you planned and there was a lot of intervention and it became outside of your control and like you know quite traumatic or anything Mm. like that I feel like okay that's going to be there's going to be a lot of unpacking there and you know it's quite a different experience than being like oh you know these were all my choices this I was very in my power and it just unfolded like this so it's very Mm. for me very easy to accept as this is just how I needed to be and yeah yeah do you feel like um oh my god I just lost my complete train of thought then hey I had no idea about your dad Mm. because like like what the fuck one because I don't know Like, I don't know, you probably don't know about my dad, which is why I came to fucking tears just then because, and I'll probably set myself off, I might set you off too. <laughs> Round two, let's <laughs> go. Right. Crying in a second as well. <laughs> <laughs> but my, so when I fell pregnant with Humphrey, mm. when Willow was 10 months old, mm. my dad started getting sick. And that was like, I've, again, I've mentioned it in a couple of episodes now, but I we've recorded the episode of Willow and Humphrey's um, pregnancies and births. And then when I was editing it, I was having such a trauma response, which I actually started having when you mm. were talking. Oh, sorry. No, it's sorry. all right. It's something that I have to work through. Like, come on, mm. seven years later. Um, but, yeah, my dad started getting sick. He was sick my whole pregnancy. Um, mm. And then 
he it was I was 41 weeks on the dot when um we were called into the hospital to say our goodbyes and yeah and um it was like it's fucking huge um I ended up we were there all day and I ended up having a really bad migraine and I was like I have to go home because Mm. I have a migraine and we were like most of my family was shell-shocked because it was just not how we saw that happening Mm. um and I'm giving a very abbreviated version of the Mm. story but yeah I went home and my waters broke and I had Humphrey at home in three hours and then it was actually my dad was at the hospital I was meant to give birth at. So I was booked to give birth at um, even though I knew I was never actually going to go in there mm, okay. but I still had an obstetrician mm-hmm. through my pregnancy. And um, so we called the ambulance after and they came and took me back to the hospital and my dad and Humphrey met. And then <gasps> so Humphrey was born that morning. My dad passed away that night. <laughs> And he, like, you know, <laughs> he was like, yeah, my everything and me and Togo were working really hard while he was sick to make sure that that outcome didn't happen. And then when it did, it was like fucking killer. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like so special that. They got to Yeah, but I had the same feeling, like I can't have any more kids. And Mm. even though after after I had Willow, I was like, oh, I'm doing this five times. Like, you know, that experience with Willow, like my mum and dad were around all the time. And um, I mean, my dad was, you know, we were, me and Togo were at my mum and dad's house when I went into labour with Willow and they were like the first people to meet her and all of that. And, And then... Yeah, after Humphrey, I was just like a fucking shell of a human. <laughs> you just went. Th- that's so much. It, it was it's huge. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, but then, yeah, I remember just feeling like, well, this is it now. Like, and also, I mean, for multiple reasons, that postpartum experience was very tough. Mm. <laughs> um, and we were just like, no, no, like. We're, we're done now. Two yeah. is good. Like Humphrey screamed for months and months and oh. months, um, which I think he had every right to because yeah. what like the situation he evolved in was stress and anxiety and just so much heartache. Yes. And and also like, you know, we'd get over a hill and we'd be like overjoyed but it was like this up, up and down. down bipolar situation. Um, yeah. And then... And then when I fell pregnant with Rue, which was a surprise pregnancy, it was actually like it was insane because he was due around the same time as Humphrey, Mm. Humphrey's birthday. And we went through that pregnancy feeling all the same. Like, I don't know, the year after um, Humphrey was born, like you go through those, like like just the smells of the seasons changing and it would trigger me Mm. and it would bring up some up experience that I'd just be like why Mm. and then um yeah and then I fell pregnant with Rue and I got to experience that all again without the stress and trauma Mm. and anxiety but there was that like fuck he's never gonna meet my dad and Mm. that was yeah it was such a big thing how was your um postpartum having gone through like such a or pregnancy like because obviously your dad that happened and you were pregnant so you were obviously going through the motions and you know grieving and stuff like do you feel like there was a difference 
in your pregnancy, just like how you felt and carried and then like postpartum? Yes. I. It's interesting that you asked that because I've not long, like I've probably had like four cycles since um, before pregnancy, um, like when I conceived. And I feel like there's a part of me that's just sort of waking up postpartum now and sort of with my cycle return, it almost gave me this opportunity each month to sort of release a lot of grief and mourning and these things that I've probably unconsciously held on to um, just because, you know, I'm parenting three kids and, and stuff like that. And I've, yeah, I've really noticed that my cycle has sort of brought a lot of that forward again. Um, and just, I suppose there's plenty of differences in, um, I'm, I have the four siblings and, um, my dad was like the center of our family. So, you know, our family, everything revolved around him sort of in a way, um, not in a, uh, in a nice way, he very much brought the family together. And I suppose my postpartum has definitely was different in that way that just like the core person of my Mm. family um, isn't there. But at the same time, just having um, Tashi, our third child, and bringing her into the family, it's so healing and it's Mm. such a – you've got so much gratitude for life, I suppose, when you have – faced sort of someone you care about dying I think on the other side is you know a bigger appreciation for what you do have and I think that was something that I experienced and still do now just so much gratitude for you know the people in my life and slowing down and just knowing what is important I think dad's death I don't know about you as well I'm just sort of shows you that like everything else is just bullshit in a way like oh my gosh what like I just don't care about any of that sort of stuff I just need to be with my family and um follow what I'm being called to to creating in life and yeah but I suppose so yeah there was lots of differences but um there probably is each baby as well I don't know if dad's death like impacted my healing or anything like that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. such a big time it's mm. fucking huge. And, like, you do hear quite a few stories of, like, like the birth, death, you know, coming, like, yeah, that comes changing. together. Oh, and I've, since I had that experience with my dad and um, I've heard so many stories yeah. now that it's it just doesn't seem that uncommon for, and, uh, like, for women grieving and mourning and giving birth and like we get to hold it all and like women are amazing (laughs) literally Mm. yeah and yeah I don't know at the time you're just like I don't even know for me my experience was like I don't even know how I'm this is even like how is this even possible like I mean in in my experience I was getting messages that were like condolences congratulations like in the same message and I'm just like turn my phone off because I don't even know what to do with that like I can't and like I mean I'd get really angry at people like why because mm. I can't conceptualize any of that like it and it's I mean I still haven't probably integrated that 
mm. you know, part of my life properly because I just kept having babies and <laughs> yeah. pushing it to the side. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. And then, like, we had an, another experience actually when when I finally got Togger on board to have a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work. <laughs> it was work, people. Um, we we finally like were in trying mode mm. and I was just like, let's do this. And it was <laughs> Valentine's Day. Cute. <laughs> that <laughs> night, right? Um, and I was like, yeah, we're definitely pregnant. And we woke up that morning and um, – Togo had got a call that his best friend had passed away. And we were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? how does this keep happening? <laughs> and, like, it was just, I mean, obviously what, we were like, what the fuck? Because he was like, like, after my dad was like that, um, like that masculine staple in my life, mm. you know? It's like, I mean, Togo is obviously the masculine staple in my life. But, um. No one loves you like your dad loves you. Mm. Like it's just not – there's no substitute for that. But then a lot of that like you just – like the love that you hold for that person in the time that I was in I transferred it over to Marcus mm. um, because he was he was there. He was supporting Togga um, through the business and stuff when my dad passed and he was Togga's kind of like base. But then when me and Togga started to fall apart – um, he was my base too and I would talk to him heaps and like confide in him and he ended up being that masculine energy for me too and then yeah time just kind of went on and I didn't need it as much and you know Togga became that mm. core for me but then when he passed away I was like the like how how and like when you know we're trying for a baby and we did fall pregnant I think it was the next month we found out we were pre- well we didn't find out because I never took a test but it was like my belly's growing and I'm feeling <laughs> real nauseous and I guess I'm pregnant but I don't know and I guess we'll find out in 10 months time um but yeah it's such a big like for mm. us I mean it's been a massive theme that the two are so in sync with each other there's there's there isn't like they can't be any different it, in birth or death. Yeah, mm. it makes sense. Like you're like, of course yeah. they're together because they can't be life without death. They can't yeah. be And like death. the transition from one, from, yeah, from like the transition into life, it has to be the same as the transition mm. out of life. I wish we could somehow like wrap it up into words for for people to to really let go of the fear of death in birth because it's obviously what keeps women going to the hospital it's obviously what hooks you into the medical system when you're pregnant because you are so, like we are all so afraid of a bad outcome or a death and like it does happen but there's obviously a million reasons why it could happen um but yeah i just wish we could we had the words to be like just to dissolve that mm. I think like like one of the biggest takeaways for me was death is gonna happen, like it's gonna happen, and like I mean, I mean one was a real surprise and the other was always a possibility, but we were working our asses off to do everything to make sure it didn't, and it still happened. Mm. So 
I think, you know, birth, like in my mind, birth is going to happen and whatever the outcome, like you can work your ass off and do whatever you want to try and make it the outcome you want. But in the end, it's going to be the outcome it's meant to Mm. be, which is, it's a hard hard pill to swallow it's a hard pill to swallow Mm. it's hard to grasp but in it there is a little bit of relaxation Mm. that that you don't have ultimate control Mm. over it i mean you have control over your choices well that's why i think people step into the system is because they think that they're going to be saved well they think Mm. that the system has any fucking control Mm. oh i'm gonna have to put an explicit warning on this (laughs) as you're talking i'm like no wonder you started a podcast like you have so many stories to tell (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like i'll invite guests and just tell my shit (laughs) (laughs) well this has actually been a good opportunity for you to let go of some of that because you know like that story of yours i mean because she always says it but when we were recording my face was just like (laughs) the whole jaw to the floor i could not like i knew a, a little bit of the story but with the detail i was just i could not even comprehend the details and Mm. so i'm glad that you've given a little bit today no and like and the thing is is that you feel you know i mean when i was going through it i just felt so alone and like and then i I met lots of mums and like i met that i mean it was in that postpartum you know four month mark i met you and i met so many other mums or and i couldn't there's no way i could have shared that Mm. like i couldn't have said anything about it because it would just like get stuck mm, and then yeah. you feel that pit in your stomach and like oh we have to go home for a nap now and I'm gonna crawl into a corner and cry like <laughs> oh. and, but the thing is like and that that was actually why I was like what the fuck because I went through that before you had your experience and had I have shared that story if I was ever capable mm. of like I mean, if someone had shared their story with me, I would have, you know, it, it, if anything just makes you feel a little less alone in it. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, again, I just like bailed on all the social media and was mm, – You went rogue on everyone. I went rogue. Was How like, are you after like – so it's been like two and a half years. Yeah, since yeah. dad passed. Um, I'm mostly good. Mm. <laughs> um. But then I'm really not good at times. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's cliche to think that time does help. Like everyone says that, mm. and I suppose it's just this is the first time for me experiencing like the loss of someone so close, so important. You know, the person Dad was to me was. If anything was wrong in my life, not wrong, anything was exciting in my like he was the first person I called. If I just wanted to chat about anything, that's who I called. So now when things happen, my person that I lean on, I'm like, where you at? Um, so Can you imagine? Like it freaked me out how many times I'd go to call his number without mm. even thinking and then mm. just being like, oh, like, and it almost just like hits you again. Yeah. It took a really long time for that to stop. But I don't know. I'm like, like, oh God, I actually remember when my friend Marcus passed away and I was just like, 
like I couldn't believe it and I, I did really grieve and mourn him and a friend of mine was like, oh, time will heal. And mm. she didn't know me when um, when I had had Humphrey and gone through that with my dad. And I was just like, I just wanted to rip her to shreds <laughs> in that moment. And I'm like, it, but no, like you have no fucking idea. Like it doesn't heal. You just get better at grief. Like <laughs> My mum and I were talking about this. Oh. Two days ago, I said to her, I was like, can you believe it'll be three years without dad the end of this year? Like he died two days before Christmas. So it's incomprehensible to my brain. So when I'm like, oh, time heals or it helps, <laughs> it's not exactly what you said. It's not like, oh, you know, it's all good now. Like it's just back to it's being just the person you were, like the, never. Yeah, you just sort of get used to it in a way that he's no longer Mm. here but it doesn't change anything I feel like time doesn't even it's not even real when it comes to grief and stuff like that um I had a younger sister that passed and I was really young when this happened and it was her um 20 uh, 31st birthday the other week and I remember saying to my mum and just because growing up and, you know, even in adulthood, just thinking, oh, it was so long ago, you know, my mum, I wonder how. okay now. Yeah, yeah. And thinking, oh, heck, now I'm like, oh, she's probably not. Like she's, she's been 30-something years, but she's probably never going to be okay. Yeah. So it's, I suppose, just this, yeah, initiation into understanding loss mm, and yeah. what that actually is because unless you go through it, you don't. understand it and what you said like when someone said something and it made you angry I experienced the same thing but until I realized like no one can say anything they can't if they don't say something it's not great if they say something not great and you're like (laughs) oh this is just not great (laughs) like I'm just gonna be either angry or sad you're never gonna win like you can say something I'm gonna hate you you cannot say something no turtle hate you like (laughs) no (laughs) turtle Chloe's progressively like, oh gosh. <laughs> no, but I think like I think I think what what I've found and your experience, I mean you're still a bit more raw, but what I found is that we just inject humor into the grief and it helps. <laughs> just say something real funny and or super inappropriate and that helps with the the whole thing. I <laughs> so agree. And my dad actually had a really dry sense of humour and said inappropriate things constantly. So now it's actually so nice because my sisters and I, we always just say random things that my dad would say and we have a laugh about it. So, yeah, I really agree. Just, yeah, just keep laughing so you don't cry. No. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it, I think you get the same release out of it too if mm. you've done any of the aware parenting stuff, which – now everyone knows what triggered my parenting journey. Um, but mm. crying and laughing are both stress relief. So, I mean, we do a lot of laughing over here. <laughs> I feel like I was just thinking because you live a pretty um, special lifestyle when you're kind of moving around um, slow, simple kind of lifestyle. And I feel like that would be to somewhat an advantage because – you know, most people when they grieve or they've had someone really close to them pass, they're just like go, go, go back to life, busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. And obviously that always pushes back the, the grief and the emotions and you really shut it out pretty easily. But 
you know, someone like you guys who live this lifestyle where you're, you know, like either spending a lot of time outside, you're in nature, you're traveling, you're moving around. Mm. I kind of feel like maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, like you're faced with the elements that remind you of life and death, like nature. And mm. I guess it could potentially be, it just kind of like peels away at the acceptance of the nature of life a little bit more. Mm. And so I guess in a way, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I kind of feel like it's a bit of a, like you've got a bit of a head start in just feeling mm. more like I can do this, like I can observe that this is life almost. Mm. I don't know if that's insensitive thing to say, but yeah. No, I understand what you're saying and I I really agree in that I think where we've decided to live a particular way and it is what we love doing. And so I feel like if I was maintaining a life that didn't I didn't love and I was doing all of these things that I didn't actually want to do, then yeah, it would be even harder because I think you are shown like how fragile life is and how it is such a gift. And so you don't like for me, like I don't want to waste it. Like I don't want to just unconsciously like my days fly by because I'm like, oh no, we got to make the most of it. And it just so happens that we like living like a really slow, mm. simple sort of life. Present. Yeah. It's very like in the now. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't always nail that. But like that's the goal. <laughs> yes. It's always the goal. Mm. Doesn't mean it happens. No. <laughs> Doesn't mean that we're perfect parents. But it's great that we have these conversations mm. to remind us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that life is not always beautiful Instagram aesthetics and happy, joyous moments. It's always ebbs and flow with the darker side. And I think like a really good takeaway is that you can't have the epic, joyous moments by themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if if someone's sharing epic, joyous moments on their Instagram – maybe what's not being shared is some pretty fucking hard times too. Mm. And it's it's good to keep that in mind that you don't actually get one without the other. Mm. So oh, the wonderful dichotomies of life. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, this conversation took a turn. I didn't <laughs> think it was going to take <laughs> I feel like I, I initiated that turn. I'm like, oh, I have a few regrets actually. No. Like, what? <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my wow. God. If, you, if we never release this episode, you know why. <laughs> Joking. It'll be our most played, I bet you. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> See, I'm the friend oh. that injects humour everywhere, right? Yes. yes. Thank you. That's what we need. <sighs> Two dead dads and a humorous <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> See, we can laugh. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> you you psychopath. <laughs> anyway. Look. That'll be the real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two dead dads and a one friend. <laughs> well, look, you got to be good at marketing these days if you want to make an impact. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Shit. Let's go eat some cake and cry in the corner. Jinty, so. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in and um, making me cry, um, <laughs> bringing up some of my trauma. <laughs> so welcome but thank you for sharing it's um Mm. yeah uh, because I actually had no idea so Mm. um and again I can't believe like how much our paths have crossed and we've experienced like uh, experienced similar 
yeah. yeah, like crazy. That that was Very um similar. Yeah, that was actually quite a thing for me to hear. So hopefully this has helped anyone else going through a similar experience that hasn't shared. <laughs> Maybe I can share one more thing because my I remember this it was the first time I was ever going to free birth and I had someone really close to me have a lot of fear about my decisions and stuff like that. And I called my dad and I, I told him sort of what happened and I just wanted to talk it out. And I remember he, him saying to me that um, birth is such a like sacred and spiritual experience and so many people only see it as like a physical thing that they go through and that's why, you know, they can – you know, lean on the medical system or they can like tr- want to be saved or or whatever. And I just found that so true because it is such a sacred and spiritual experience. And I think if we as women sort of acknowledge that more, it will change some of the decisions that we make to, to honour the whole process Um and not just see it as like something happening to my body or something mm. like that. Mm. And, yeah, that sort of stuck with me. And so maybe since I ended up talking about dad, like that's something mm. sort of important to share for anyone who is going into a birth or or anything like that, that like we get to honour the parts of us and like the different things happening to us that are beyond like just these this physical changes because we are like being transformed in all of the ways through pregnancy through birth and parenting as well i think like something that is so true to that as well is that it is like we as women who birth and if you've even if you haven't experienced death we understand death better. Mm. Like we understand death. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, yeah, it's it's a huge process. And God, I just wish for every woman that has a baby to be able to go into that and feel mm. that we are the, the the keepers of both mm. birth and death. And yes, where it's um mm. some powerful stuff. <laughs> mm. Well. Jinty, where can people find you? <laughs> they want to get into this a bit more. Well, currently we're at a hip camp down the road. Like, <laughs> What's the address? <laughs> the camper. Um, you can find me just online. Um, I've got one of my my son's birth video um, is on YouTube. So maybe we can link that if anyone mm-hmm. wanted to see. That was like the first free birth that I had. Um, and, I, yeah, I believe it's still on YouTube. And then otherwise just on Instagram. You said you, you're, you're, not, um, blah, blah, blah. you're not doing YouTube anymore? Like it's not a – No, no. no. We stopped it. I stopped a couple years ago. Mm. Actually not long after. Just before um, I found out that my dad was really unwell um, and then – yeah, so much happened, and then it feels like impossible to go. Like, Do it you just guys like, want to, or is it kind of just like been there, done that? This is the, would be a whole other thing to go into, <laughs> yeah. but it's sort We're of like saddle up everyone yeah, another hour. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's something that maybe I would like to. We really, really briefly, there was so many different things that led to like not doing it and yeah. um, stuff like that, but. Yeah, I would like to one day probably differently than how I did it mm-hmm. um, in the past. Just we'll see though. It just feels a lot 
But then here I am and you guys have set this whole podcast up. You've got four kids each, so yeah. I've got no excuses. <laughs> I want to see YouTube content next week. I'm just going to drop the vlog. With yeah. the <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jinty. It's been an honour to have you on. Mm. Oh, thank, thank you, you for sharing the, the more, you know, personal stories to us am i the first person that came on and cried on your podcast no Mm, no no. (laughs) okay cool (laughs) um yeah thank you so much for having me and i'm so inspired by everything that you are both doing and i think your podcast is amazing thank you darling thanks thanks for tuning in to the road to wisdom podcast to join the journey you can follow us on instagram at the road to wisdom podcast www.theroadtowisdompodcast.com Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We look forward to seeing you next week with more juicy content.